Hello and welcome to the Tolleson Insights Podcast, conversations designed to help families build on their success and leave a more meaningful legacy. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, and I'm joined today by Tolleson's president, Richard Joyner. Richard, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you today too. Richard, today we're going to talk about a topic that is important to all families, but one that many families probably would prefer to avoid if they have to, because we're going to talk about estate planning. And estate planning involves what? It involves <laughs> death, and it's never anyone's favorite subject. That's exactly right. So, uh, But yet, it's important because death is coming for all of us at some point, and I don't think we're surprising any of our listeners with that uh, right there. But anyway, we're going to discuss estate planning and specifically how to choose a trustee, because this is a major part of an estate plan, correct? It is a major part of an estate plan, and it's something that often in the conversation is lost or it isn't given the level of attention yeah. that some other issues are. Yeah, People are going through that process. It just seems to be one of those things that, that people talk about, pass over fairly quickly. We'll talk about this here in a second because they'll make the decision rather quickly, and that may end up coming back and uh, being something that they wish they wouldn't have done. So why don't we do this before we jump on and continue to, to unpack this? Let's start with the definition. So what exactly is a trustee? So I think maybe it's better to even take a step back further than that. First of all, let's talk about what a trust is. So a trust is a fairly common vehicle. It's a separate legal entity that is often used in the estate planning process. And it's used really for a couple of specific things. Sometimes there are tax savings involved in creating a trust. Often there are uh, decisions or the trust is used to help facilitate distributions and generations of beneficiaries to children, grandchildren, and so on. And then often there's an element of asset protection, protecting accumulated assets from the reach of creditors. Yeah. So trusts are, are really common and they're very commonly used in estate planning and they have a very important role in that process. So back to your question, what's a trustee? So the trustee is the person who actually has legal title to the assets held by the trust and is the person, or in some cases, there are persons, if there are co-trustees, yeah. uh, that are responsible for making most of the important decisions related to the trust. So the key thing to remember here is that the role of trustee is a long-term role. There are some roles in estate planning, the role of an executor, for example, that comes and goes. It, it, it comes when, when someone passes away, and the role lasts for a period of time, and then it, it basically, after the work is completed, there's no, there's no further need. Most trusts, however, have long lives, and therefore the role of trustee is one that requires a commitment on the part of the trustee to be there and participate actively over a long period of time. Yeah, this isn't just something that you do for a couple of months. This could be something that could last years, right? It could ultimately last many years, yes, decades. So Richard, does a trustee need to be a person? A trustee can come in all kinds of shapes and forms. A trustee can be an individual family member. A trustee can be an individual who's a friend of the family. It can be an individual who's totally unrelated to the family. It can also be a corporate trustee. Lots of companies like Tolleson serve as corporate trustees. And it's important to remember here that a trustee, it doesn't need to just be a single trustee that the, that the family chooses. A family can choose to use multiple trustees, and so they can serve as co-trustees together. And that can be any combination. It can be, again, combinations of individuals. It can be combinations of individuals and corporate trustees. I know this is something that we'll talk about in the, in the upcoming episode, but I do think it's important to note here that if you choose co-trustees, in most instances, the, co the co-trustees need to agree on whatever decisions are made on behalf of the beneficiaries. So that's an important thing to think about. Uh, when you're making that selection. You talked about how the, the trustee is a decision-making role, not just uh, they're not just executing uh, a few decisions here. So this is a long-term decision-making role. So what kind of decisions does a trustee make? So I think they fall in a couple of specific buckets. 
The first one would be investments. Okay. What investments does a trust hold? That's particularly important when the trust holds investments or particular assets that are that are very meaningful to the family. So a family has an interest in a in a closely held business, an operating business. A parent passes away, passes that in, that asset into trust. The trustee makes the decisions about the investment held by the trust in that in that business. Yeah. Likewise, if there are individual investments that dad had at some point in his life and he had a real emotional attachment to, the, the trustee gets to make the decision about whether the trust continues to hold that. Yeah. Big decisions to be made about investments over a long period of time, consequential decisions. The second one is to make sure that all the, the administration of the trust is done properly. So trusts are somewhat complex. They have to file tax returns. They have to produce statements. You have to disclose information to the beneficiaries. And so there's a whole host of administrative things that go along with the role. That's number two. And then number three, the toughest decisions are often about distributions. So the trustee gets to decide who gets the cash, when they get it, do they get it, any conditions attached to it. And so often the distribution decision making is the category that's most difficult. Yeah, I would imagine so. And that is uh, that's a tremendous amount of power that's been given to this person. Tremendous amount of power for a long period of time. I <laughs> yeah. keep emphasizing that, but that's because it's really important. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like how long would this last? Would Is it possible for somebody to be named a trustee and they remain a trustee for the rest of their life? And then you would have to assign another one? Absolutely. Okay. So one of the things to, to think about in this in this context is to think about succession, Okay. to think about selection of a trustee that gives you some ability to, to actually work over a long period of time. So I guess the first one is to actually think about the selection of the trustee in the context of the age of the grantor. Okay. The grantor in this case is nothing more than the creator. If I create a trust today and I choose a sibling or a friend that happens to be my age, well, guess what? If I'm 85 years old, so is my trustee. And so the trustee may or may not be in a position that they're either willing or able to serve if I don't pass away until I'm 85 and the trustee is 85 at that point as well. So it's important to think about a, a series of trustees so that you can you can actually accommodate those issues around age and about around skills and so on. But it's also important to think about the skills that are necessary to make some of these decisions because some of these issues are relatively technical. And again, distribution decision making, there's an art to that. Yeah. It's not an easy thing necessarily to do. Distributions are often where most of the conflict comes comes up between beneficiaries and trustees if there is conflict. So some of these special skills that are needed to be an effective trustee, I mean, I've never heard of anybody that's gone to like a trustee school, right? I don't I don't see any designations out on LinkedIn saying I'm a certified trustee. So where, where do you pick up these skills? So it's a great question. I, there really aren't any specific qualifications that you need to qualify to serve as a trustee. However, I would say that to operate successfully as a trustee, lots of skills are required. Where do they come from? They come from experience. Uh, if someone has has experiences in the legal field or somebody has business experience, or frankly, those aren't even necessarily required, but just has solid judgment, wisdom, good decision makers. I think it's those kind of things that are really important to be a great trustee. And ultimately, the, the thing that you got to remember is that trustees because they're basically controlling assets that belong to somebody else, they're held to very high standards of conduct. And so I always say, it's not necessarily that you have to always get the right answer as the trustee, but you have to make sure that you have a really good process yeah. and that everyone understands what that process is. The process will protect you as a trustee. Yeah, that's really good. And so uh, who who like holds the trustee accountable basically to follow this process or, or to holds them to these high standards? So there's a whole body of trust law oh, okay. that resides in each and every state. 
And so there's, there's typically a trust code. And because of the nature of trusts and families and potential for disagreements, there's a lot of case law, which means there are a lot of people that have had some form of conflict, some form of disagreement, and they've taken them to court. And so we've got a body of, of court cases that tell us, that give us a lot of, of guidance about how to do things. That's good. Does a wealth creator, so they, they appoint one trustee, do they then put provisions in the trust or in the estate plan for who a subsequent trustee would be? Or is that the decision that's made by the first trustee that's appointed? They get to decide who would uh, succeed them. It's a great question. The answer is it could be a variety of things. Okay. So first point here is, um, I think you raised this uh, in your question. The trust instrument is the roadmap for the trustee. Right. So this is not a this is not a situation where as a trustee you're ad libbing and just deciding how you think things should be. Right. Your job is to follow the document, which is the roadmap that the creator gave you about how to do things. Specifically in the context of trustees, the the decision about a trustee it can be a named succession of trustees. So I serve and then you serve behind me and then someone else serves after that. Or it can be included in the instrument that someone has the right to name a successor. So if I'm the first trustee, in some cases, I'm able to name my own successors. And then the other option you see sometimes is that the trust can create a committee and the committee can be formed specifically for the purpose of naming successors. I think the other thing that I'd hit on really quickly is that I think it's important for people to think about the ability of a beneficiary to replace a trustee as well. We've all heard situations probably where a trust has not gone well. Okay. The relationship between the trustee and the beneficiary is not a good one. They don't agree. There's a conflict, so on and so on. And I always, I always think it's a good idea to, to make sure that there are provisions in there that allow for a replacement of a trustee who is not performing up to the standards that they should be performing. Yeah. It's a good way to just sort of keep keep the balance um, in the right place. And so it's not tilted entirely in favor of the trustee or in favor of the beneficiary. That's right. Because when you're drafting up the estate plan, I mean, in some way, when you're appointing a trustee, you're predicting the way the future is going to go. And humans are not really good at that. And so, yeah, that's great to have those provisions in there to know that if what you, you know, you think this person's going to do well, but then they don't, it gives the beneficiaries uh, some leeway and gives them some power to change that. That's really good. And you're trying to see things down the road that, you know, maybe several generations ahead. It's very hard to anticipate yeah. how your grandchildren are going to turn out. I have twin grandchildren that are three. can't tell how they're going to turn out, you know, when they're adults. Yeah. So you're, you're having to build some flexibility in there. For those kind of situations. Yeah. Well, I've seen pictures of your twins. They're going to be perfect. Don't worry about <laughs> any of that. So, okay. So in your experience, when do most families start to think about naming a trustee? So in my experience, it's usually one of the decisions that people make very quickly as they go through the process of preparing a trust instrument. And a trust instrument is usually prepared in, in two situations. One in which you're either creating or updating your wills and your other related estate planning documents. The other situation is in the context of making a gift. So it, it could be in either situation, but experience over and over is that people spend little time thinking through the appropriateness of the selection that they're making. They often discuss it with the drafting attorney and there's some conversation about it. They may have made trustee selections before, so they just stick with what they did in the past. But I think it's really important to pause there. That role is so important and it lasts so long to make sure that you're picking somebody that has the skills and the temperament and the judgment that you're looking for. This job is a job that requires some knowledge and some interaction with beneficiaries. And without without the ability to do that, uh, boy, it just sets you up for, for a difficult path. 
I would imagine that there are some families as they're going through this process, um, this can be an emotional decision, and this could be one that could potentially lead to some family conflict, right? That, because if they select one person over another, somebody's feelings might get hurt. Does Do you see in your experience, does that play into this decision a lot and maybe slow the decision down or cause uh, a wealth creator who's creating this estate plan, cause them to maybe even make the wrong decision? So you said at the beginning of the discussion that this was a topic that people don't always love to talk about, right. you know, talking about death. Yeah. And, and, and this is very much in that same line of thought. Uh, this is considering what will happen after I'm there and who will get along with my kids and who will administer the trust properly. And yeah, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of, frankly, it's a natural thing not to want to talk about it. And so if that's the case, then sometimes the temptation is just to breeze over that decision and just get something in there. Yeah. And unfortunately, trusts last a long time. And in many cases, if you don't have the flexibility that we talked about with respect to removing and replacing trustees or the succession provisions, well, you're setting yourself up for a really difficult, difficult time. And even to your point, we want the trust to last a long time, right? So that's why you want to select the right trustees so they're not just distributing everything and then it goes away. Exactly. I yeah. think that's, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Okay, so how do you see families go about making this decision? Who who are they getting advice from and how are they processing it? So if, if I were designing a process that I think is the way that they should make the decision, I think there are several important questions to consider. One is the person's knowledge of the family. So often the trustee that someone picks is a close friend. I have you know, somebody that I've been friends with since I was a kid. He knows me. He knows my family a little bit and all that. The key point is that they've got to know not just the creator of the trust. They've got to know the beneficiaries. And if they don't at the outset, they need to be willing to get to know them. Okay, that's good. They have to have all that at first. But you don't want a situation where I pass away. There's a trust that I created. And surprise, the kids are meeting the trustee for the first time after my death. Mm. I mean, imagine how hard that is. Yeah. You're going to be in control of all this, all these assets for me, and I just met you. Mm. I mean, that's a really difficult situation. So I think knowledge of the family and willingness to develop that knowledge early on is important. Willingness to uh, coach and guide beneficiaries. Yep. I always say it's a contact sport. You got to know them. You got to talk to them. You got to understand their propensities for spending, for risk, for you know, making good business decisions, all that kind of stuff. There's there's some level of technical knowledge that's important. As an individual trustee, I don't necessarily need to have all that, but I need to know where to go get it. Yep. need to have somebody that can guide me on the technical abilities. And, and of course, the things that are hardest are the, sometimes the hardest to describe, the ability to say no. Yeah. I think the ability to say no is a really important skill. And I always say it's not just the ability to say no, it's the ability to say no and leave the beneficiaries in a position that they still have confidence in the process. Gosh, that sounds so difficult. Uh, you know, that's that's easy for us to sit here on a podcast and say that, but I would imagine that really is the art in this a lot of times, right? Is navigating those relationships like that. It's it is a huge part of the success of the outcome. And and for that reason, I think it goes back to my first point. It's important to know the family and to develop the relationship before a difficult situation arises. Yeah. If you have that if you have that situation and the confidence is built, the trust is built between both parties, it's much easier to survive a disagreement yep. than a situation where that doesn't exist. I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but is most of the time is a trustee a family member or or what do you, what do you see there? I think there it, it falls in several big groups. Uh, often it's a family member and I'll stop here and say I do not favor the idea of having siblings serve for one another. Yeah. Over and over 
conflict, conflict, conflict. It just doesn't often work. Yeah. Uh, but it can be it can be a more remote family member, uh, and that will work very well if they take their their job and their responsibility seriously. Um, often it's a it's a family friend, somebody that is close to the family and has known the family over a period of time. Can be in some cases a business acquaintance or associate. Yeah. And then it could be a professional. There are professional trustees that serve as individual trustees and then also corporate trustees. Okay. It tends to be one of those. Picking a sibling, I mean, that makes for a good movie in a novel, but probably not for really good in uh, real life with all the, that conflict that can pop up, right? So, you know, the more you talk about this, the more I am starting to understand just how much work this can be. And so this may be a strange question, but is there compensation involved in, in trustee selection usually? It's not a strange question at all. Um, most, most of the time you see family members and friends serve without compensation, but most trust instruments allow for compensation to be paid. Okay. And so depending on the, the situation and the circumstances, I think it's easier to ask a an individual to serve as trustee if you are going to compensate them at some level for yeah. the work they're doing. Because at, think about it, over a long period of time, making all these decisions and spending all this time with no compensation whatsoever, and frankly, with some level of risk. Yeah. If a beneficiary disagrees with something that you do, you won't have to look very hard to find somebody that will join you in suing a trustee. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's a tough position to be in if you've been in an unpaid position for a long time. Yeah, that's good. Um, so again, some of the relational dynamics that can happen when the trustee is selected or after the trustee is selected, is it common for a family to make this decision as a family, like to talk about it before the document is put together and not surprise the beneficiaries? So my short answer would be it's not as common as I'd like it to be. Okay. Um, I think that that typically in the estate planning process, depending on what the family has done leading up to that point in time, uh, I think having family conversation about issues like that is extremely important. Yeah. And, and remember that the the conversation there doesn't have to be about dollars. Yeah. Because I think a lot of parents have a have hesitation to just disclose all the financial data uh, at the outset of the process, and I understand that. But this is really more a process question. So if I go to my son and I say, I'm creating a trust and here's who's going to be responsible. Talk about the process. Here's who you're going to go to if you need if you need money. Here's who you're going to talk to about how the money's invested. You need to develop a relationship with this person. You need to understand what my intent is in creating this trust. Yep. And you need to work together with that person. I think those conversations should be at the beginning of the process, uh, although they aren't there in that in that particular point as often as I'd like. Yeah. And maybe even the flip side of that, somebody might be listening to this episode and they know they are the beneficiary of a trust, but yet they yeah. don't know who the trustee is. So that's another conversation you can go and say, hey, can we have a conversation about this? I'm not trying to get get my money right now or get the assets now. I just want to know what the process is going to be and who I'm going to be dealing with when this happens. Yeah. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. There's no time like the present. Yep. And if it wasn't done at the beginning of the process, then start the conversation now and keep the conversation. I think it's always helpful in a conversation like this that sometimes can be awkward if everybody's talking about their intent. So if my parents created a trust for me, perfectly okay, as you suggested, to say, I'm not looking for information you don't want to share. But it would help me to know who I go to, uh, yep. how this will happen, when it will happen. You know, do I have to wait until I'm 60 to get any money from the trust? I just want to know the rules of the road, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And so I can plan and, and, and do things accordingly in my own situation. Absolutely. And I like what you said about, about intent and, and uh, understanding somebody's intent usually is better happening in a face-to-face -face conversation than reading it from a legal document. No question. Yeah. No question. You go back to that scenario I said where you're meeting your trustee. Uh, 
uh, after your parent has passed away. I mean, that's a terrible time to begin a relationship. Yeah. Just, too many other things going on. It's just terrible. Yeah. All right. A couple more questions before we wrap up this particular episode. Um, so what choices are available for most families when it comes to a trustee? So um, we, we mentioned a little bit earlier, it can be family members, friends, business acquaintances, associates. It can be individual trustees who are professional trustees, in effect, and then a corporate trustee. Okay. The choices are, there are lots of choices that you can make. In most cases, I think if if you're working with a professional team of advisors, it's very easy to narrow down the ones that make the most sense. Yeah. The more complex the situation, the more likely you need somebody with experience. If there's an operating business involved. You probably need somebody with business experience. In a situation like that, I often argue for co-trustees. Mm. So if a family has a, an, a significant interest in an operating business held by a trust, who's going to be better able to make decisions about that family business than a family member? That's right. So make them a co-trustee. Make them a co-trustee with either an individual or a corporate professional trustee. Yep. The professional trustee often has a lot more experience in the process and a lot of the administrative things that need to be done. And then the co-trustee will bring that bring in the family viewpoint. That's I right. think that's very effective. A lot of corporate trustees don't like to serve as co-trustee because they go, if we disagree, how do we resolve that? Right. I think the opposite is really the point. If they work together so that they do agree, um, you shouldn't have a lot of situations where there's those where where there's that much conflict that you can't agree on a decision. And I think having a family member in a situation like that can be really effective. And I think the good news there is that you don't uh, just have to use a boilerplate decision or it's just going to be the oldest child or it's just going to be your younger sister or whatever it is. You have some options here and you can get creative with with your options. Absolutely. That's good. Uh, and, I, and I do think it's worth taking a second and talking about having a corporate trustee. Okay. I think, and I think corporate trustees, I think, could get a bad rap in some cases. And, and I, think, I think if you get a really good corporate trustee who's going to be committed to doing the right things for the family and for the beneficiaries and to carry out the terms of the trust, not to be concerned about their own part in that process, but to be concerned. I mean, this, you're serving as a steward on behalf of the family. Yeah. So if you get a good corporate trustee who really understands that concept of stewardship and working on behalf of the family, I think that's a very effective either part of the solution or a solution into itself if the family doesn't have anyone who, who wants to serve. And, and I will say, a lot of times we see family members who can serve and choose not to. Hmm. They go, I don't want the responsibility of doing all that myself. I want to use somebody that really does have uh, the experience making those kind of decisions because I don't want to. I don't want to do something that's going to jeopardize someone else's future. Well, we we've talked about some things that can go wrong if you make the wrong decision. But if there were just one or two things, just as we wrap up, like what what can happen if a family gets this decision wrong? So um, it it often ends up in some sort of conflict, mm. and if the conflict can't be resolved, it ends up. A lot of times that that there's um, attorneys involved and it ends up in the courtrooms. Okay. And, you know, that kind of a process, while it's important and necessary, um, it's rarely productive in the sense that people come out the other end going, wow, that's a great outcome. Yeah. Because it's just ridden with conflict and uh, nobody gets all that they want. Yeah, that is generally not the path to better relationships is is through the courtroom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you really want to mitigate or create a situation where you're avoiding those kinds of things. Yeah. 
by creating flexibility in a lot of the things we've talked about. It. I like that. Well, uh, Richard, there's a lot more to say on this. In fact, we're going to record one more episode where we're going to actually discuss five specific things to consider when selecting a trustee. You guys have some principles that you share there at Taliesin Wealth Management that are going to be helpful to share on the next episode. So um, while we wrap this one up, any final thoughts for today's episode? Um, no, I think talking about the, these additional principles will be really, really important stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Richard, it was great to be with you today. You too, Adam. Thank you. Hey, podcast listeners, Adam here. If you need help navigating a trustee decision or if you have any other questions and would like to talk to one of the professionals at Tolleson Wealth Management, visit TollisonWealth.com. That's T-O-L-L-E-S-O-N Wealth.com to start that conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the Tolleson Insights Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As a reminder, the views and opinions expressed on today's episode do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Tolleson Wealth Management. The information we discussed today is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation or an offer to buy a security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. As always, you should consult your professional advisors before making any tax, legal, financial planning, or investment decisions. That's all for this episode. We'll talk to you again next time.